All right. Well, welcome again. We are so glad that each of you are joining us this here, uh, here this morning and uh, jumping into our second week of our new series called Fork in the Road. I guess it's not a new series anymore. We're in our second week. Uh, but during this series, what we're trying to do is, is really try to gain a better understanding of, of how we can make good decisions in life and, and really how we can depend on Jesus and lean into Jesus for direction. Now, now, before we get too far into that, um, I realize and I recognize that for a lot of you that live fairly close to our building, um, driving in for church was normal, and then coronavirus hit, and so, so now this online process is really new and different for a lot of us. But I want to take a minute and just share with you some exciting things that are happening that have really only transpired because of the fact that we are now exclusively online. We've become aware over the last couple of weeks that there are now people in seven different states, seven different states outside of Washington that are watching us online since this stay-at-home order went into place. And so what we understand and what we want you to be excited about is that, that Jesus is very much at work and very much moving when we can't be moving much. We also want to let you know that, that we have seen over 18 people, actually we've seen 18 people raise their hand with the, the virtual hand raising when it came to being interested in a relationship with Jesus. Um, actually, the number is higher than 18. We've actually seen 23 people raise their hand, uh, but five of those, they were staff members, so we're not going to count them because we're pretty sure they already knew Jesus. Um, there's a couple that maybe are questionable, but anyway, um, my guess is that if in your home right now you are not clapping, you should be. I think the screen is flashing off and on. I apologize. We have no idea why. Uh, I guess we're just going to try and run with it. So I don't know. Just sorry if you're trying to figure that out at home. We don't actually know here why it's doing that. But I just want to say this. Thank you for being so gracious uh, in that and supporting. Um, we as a church are continuing to, to make our, get our name out in the community. Um, if you don't know, one of the things that we've been attempting to do for the last couple of years as a church is to try and figure out how we can become a household name. Not because we want to be popular or a celeb, but, but really what we want to do is we want to become a household name so that people in our community would know our name. And so if they ever came to a point where they wanted to think about church or they began to have spiritual questions or they began to wonder how do they begin to dive into who Jesus is, that, that Silver Creek would be a name that would rise to their, to their mind and that they would think about. And if you happen to get this week's Linwood Times... Uh, we were in it last uh, the last edition because of our Mother's Day thing. Uh, this edition, uh, the Linwood Food Bank is highlighted on the front one, and then one of our attendees, uh, Karina, has been volunteering. We actually have a whole bunch of people from Silver Creek that have been volunteering, so we're right on the front page there with the food bank. Uh, then also, if you turn a couple pages back, Edmund, uh, Meadowdale High School recently did a, a giveaway, a pass-outing out of the robes and the hats and everything to their seniors. Uh, Elizabeth and I, and then one of our uh, college-age students, Jake, we were there and we actually filmed it, put together the whole highlight video for us. Um, Elizabeth is quoted in this as well, and just, we keep showing up again and again, and it's not really because we're trying to, to, to become famous, but really we want to become a household name, and, and we want people to be able to, when they begin to have spiritual questions, they know where to go and that we would be on the front of their minds for that. And so really what I want you to know through all of that is thank you. Thank you for being gracious as we get better and better with this online platform. And I say that and our screen's freaking out, so we'll get better at that. But thank you for continually financially contributing and financially supporting and, and really allowing us to make all of these different ministries possible and all of these different projects that we're a part of. It's because of your consistency and your willingness uh, to be in this with us. So thank you for all that you're doing. 
Uh, you may not know this, I've been the teaching pastor here for just a little bit over 10 years, and, and without a whole bunch of research, I started to think through what's one of the most commonly asked types of questions or things that we hear as, as pastors. And by far, the question that we probably get the most is, how do we determine what God wants us to do? Like, like in your life, how do you know what God is asking you to do? How, how would you know what God's will is for your life? And we sometimes ask the question, is it possible for you and I to find the true source or the, be sure of what God wants us to do? And those are all great questions, and, and those are some really solid thoughts that we can wrestle with and, and figuring out how to make decisions that really matter. Uh, in fact, who you are today is most likely a result of the decisions that you've made in the past. And who you're going to become in the future and what you're able to accomplish in the future in many ways will be a direct result of the decisions that you make today. And so with all of that pressure on our decisions, let's just be honest. Many of us are not great decision makers. So, so to prove that, we're going to do something in your living room right now. I would like you to raise your hand if you are a really good decision maker. Raise your hand, look around your living room. Now my guess is many of you that have raised your hand are not actually good decision makers. You just felt like you needed to raise your hand because your kids are sitting in the room, or maybe your spouse is there, or, or maybe you're raising your hand because your parents are in the room, and you just lied in church. Or maybe, maybe you didn't lie, maybe, maybe you were thinking, am I a good decision maker? Maybe I'm not a good decision maker. Am I a good decision maker? Am I not a good? If that was where you were at, of whether or not you should raise your hand, congratulations, you're not a good decision maker. You couldn't come up with the decision of whether or not you should raise your hand. But oftentimes what we know is that, that there will be long-term, permanent decisions that we make in our life, but we make those decisions with very temporary emotions. We make decisions that we regret and that we wish were different. I mean, so we probably regret some of the people that we dated. I mean, I think if we went back and talked to several of the girls that I dated, they would without a doubt say, yeah, I regret that decision to date that guy. Or, or maybe we regret a purchase that we made. and Maybe it was a really big purchase, a new car, when a used car probably would have been a wise choice. Or, or maybe you didn't need to buy the house that you bought, and you bought a house that was way bigger than what you could afford, and now you regret it. Maybe we regret a purchase that was too small. And I, I mean literally too small. Maybe you probably should have bought the extra large, and then you're thinking, well, I can really squeeze into this medium. Or, or, or maybe it's the purchases that you make every day. Maybe every day you're buying a Frappuccino, and then you're hitting Taco Bell, and then you're renting movies, and... Maybe you don't have the money for those conveniences, and you find that you're regretting those decisions. We as individuals, we have the privilege in our life of making decisions. We get the opportunity when we reach a fork in the road, when we face those, we get to make decisions. And we don't want to live a life that has regrets, and we don't want to mess those moments up. And so if we want to like where we find ourselves in the future, if we want to make choices that matter, if we're truly interested in what God thinks when we make decisions and when we, start, when we make decisions, it starts when you and I understand what God cares about. And many of us right now, we've got some significant decisions to make. I mean, I think there's a bunch of you that have seniors that are in your home. Maybe they're graduating from high school. Maybe they're graduating from college. Or, or you are one of those graduating seniors from high school or from college. 
And there's some big decisions about next year. Are you going to go to school? And if you are going to go to school, what school? Or are you just going to work? And if you are, where are you going to work? Are you, maybe you're going to join a band. It's a terrible time to join a band. You can't tour. Maybe you're just thinking about becoming a pirate. Right? What is the plan? Maybe, maybe you're dating someone right now. And right now you're dating someone and you're like, they're pretty good, but I see some things I'm not so sure about. And so you're trying to choose, should I, should I stick with this person? Should I, should I hope that they change? Or, or should I move on and kind of wait for somebody else to come along? Maybe you're facing the decisions of your career. Should, should you take that new job? Or should you take the risk of going forward? Or, or maybe you just need to stay with the one that you've got. Maybe you've got kids. Maybe, maybe right now you've got two kids and you're starting to ask that question. Should we, should we get a third kid? <laughs> get a, should we try and have a third kid? Or, or maybe it's time for, you know, the little snip snip. Like, it's two enough. What, what, you know, you don't know what it is. How do we decide? There's so many decisions that we can make and they're so important that we make them. And we oftentimes, we want God or hopefully we want God's help in his direction as we decide. And one of the greatest ways that we can be successful in deciding, in, in making those decisions and following God's direction is knowing what God cares about. And when we know what God cares about, it will actually eliminate a lot of options that just simply are not good and ultimately leave us with decisions that won't mess us up very much. But one of the real difficulties that we have right now in life is that there are so many options it's not just about deciding A or B. So often in times in life, we are trying to decide between A and B and C and D and E. I mean, the fork in the road is not that obvious. I mean, it's like multiple choices. I mean, think about growing up. If you grew up around the same time I did, we had three channels to choose from on TV. Right? It was easy to decide. Now, we have multiple ESPNs. Right? Right? Plus, you get to decide, are you going to watch ESPN in, in regular or in high def? Which, I don't even know why we still provide regular. Like, who's ever choosing? Like, I think I'll take the grainy version. And then, are you going to watch it in Hulu? Or are you going to watch Netflix? Are you going to watch Disney Plus? Amazon Prime? Like, growing up, if you wanted a hamburger, there were like two, three options. Now, we can go to McDonald's, we can go to Burger King, we could go to Dairy Queen, we go to Jack in the Box, we go to Five Guys, we could go to Wendy's. Or you decide you want to fancy up your hamburger and you want to go to Red Robin or Blazing Onion or Eight Ounce Burger or Rain City Burger or Red Mill Burger, maybe Habitat Burger. In fact, real quick, in the chat window, if you could just put down your favorite place to get a hamburger, I would love to know. It'll help me solve my decision in the future. Or think about my great-grandparents. My great-grandparents, when they would choose to go to work, they would get to choose whether they wanted to walk or whether they wanted to ride the horse. Now, now when we go to work, we get to choose, are we going to ride the bus? Are we going to drive the car? Are you going to ride your bike or your Segway? Are you going to carpool? Are you going to work from home? Obviously, right now, we're all pretty much making the work from home choice. I mean, go back a couple hundred years. If you grew up in a small town, when it became time for you to go find a wife maybe like five ladies to choose from. So you're just hoping that the one that had the most teeth thought you were a good catch. Today, if you're dating, the most difficult decision is which dating site to use. 
And as we begin to consider the different possible decisions that we're going to make and the different options that we face when we come to a fork in the road, we have to begin to understand what God cares about. And that allows to begin to help us as we're making those decisions and deciding on what's so essential in our lives. So I want to give you two thoughts that I think are really important that can really become the foundation that we're going to build on over the next couple of weeks. And the first idea about what God cares about is we need to understand that God cares that we decide who before do. When it comes to the will of God, God cares more about who you are than what you do. God cares more about who you are than what you do vocationally. He cares more about who you are before what it is that you do with your life. Near the back of the Bible, we come to a letter that was written to some of the early churches. It was written by a guy by the name of Paul. The verses are going to be on the screen. They're also going to be in your message notes if you printed those off or if you're looking at them. This is what it says in 1 Thessalonians 4. It says this. It said, God's will is for you to be holy. So when you wonder, is God's will for me to be an accountant? Maybe. But what I do know is that God's will is for you to be holy. Or when you wonder, is God's will for me to be a missionary? Maybe. But we do know that God's will is for you to be holy. Or when you wonder, is this God's will for me to get married? Maybe. But we do know that it's God's will for you to be holy. Is it God's will for us to have kids? Maybe, but it's God's will for you to be holy. Maybe you wonder, is it God's will for me to clean my room? That is not a maybe, because again, God's will is for you to be holy. Clean your rooms. Kids, I know you were trying to get away with one there. In the Greek, the idea of holy is translated agios, and what it means is to be set apart. It means to be different. And God's will for us is that we would not follow and compare with everyone around us, but that we would compare to Jesus, that we would be different, that we would be set apart. And the majority of the world is driven by values that, that are temporary. And oftentimes people consider those things that are temporary to be important, and we are called to be conformed to the image of Jesus that those would be what are, we're, we're pursuing, that our possessions and our pursuits would be those things that reflect Jesus as opposed to those things that are temporary and have less value. That's a critical piece of us dealing with the fork in the road that we might come to, is recognizing that what's so important at each of those different forks in the road is that are we moving in a direction towards Jesus? Are we becoming more like him? In fact, if you look at Jesus, what's really interesting is he doesn't really talk about our careers. He doesn't talk about our career in terms of what we're called to do, called to do this or called to do that. Jesus doesn't really talk about your vocation. Jesus talks about your character. That's the calling he's interested in. And really for Jesus, anytime he brought up the idea of somebody's job, he typically invited somebody to leave their job and then follow him. He would call people to, to leave their job and then pursue him. And he did that because he recognized that who we were following would impact who, would we, who we would become, which is way more important than any career or work that we would ever do. That's why it's who before do. In fact, as a pastor, I would say that, that God has called me to do this. God has called me to be a pastor. You know, we could argue that, that God's will for my life is that I would be a pastor, but I would argue 
that being a pastor might be probably in God's will for my life somewhere like four or five or six on the priorities list of God's will for my life. First, God's will for my life is that I would be holy, that I would be set apart. And then before I'm even a pastor, that, that God's will for my life would be that I'm a husband, and that I'm a father, and that I'm a son, and that I'm a friend, and that all of those things are about who I am, and that's way more important than what I do, because what I do is I'm a pastor. And in life, maybe, maybe you should look at, are you, are you choosing to date somebody, or are you looking to marry somebody? And, and obviously, getting dating and, and who we marry, those are important, those things matter, that's a pretty serious fork in the road. And fellas, if you're not married, let me just explain that that decision comes with a lot more decisions that involve forks. Like the pattern of the fork. You got to, uh, just heads up, you will have to deal with like, what does it look like at the end? And you know, forks and spoons and knives, and you'll have to care about that way more than you ever thought you would. But that fork comes with additional forks. But what's way more important than who you date and who you marry is are you the person that you need to be? Are you being the person of integrity that God calls you to be? And as you're who God calls you to be as you're dating and who you are, if that's the greatest concern, God will help guide as to who it is that you should be dating. And as you're dating whoever it is that you're dating or as you're married to whoever you're married to, in that moment, it's more about who we are in terms of becoming more and more like Jesus, and then that allows us to be the person that we need to be in that relationship. Maybe you're wondering, should we, should we choose to stay in this house, or should I choose to take another job? Listen, it doesn't matter so much where you are. What matters is that you choose to be faithful as a follower in the spot that you're in until you happen to leave that spot. So before we worry about what we do in the future, we need to think about who we are in the present. And we need to spend way less time being concerned about what it is that we do and more time choosing about who we're going to be right now and choosing to conform and become more and more like the image of Jesus and step by step following him each and every day, becoming more and more like him, focusing on who we are and allowing God's will to be true in our lives where we strive to be holy. What we also need to begin to understand is that God cares about that we, you and I begin to decide why before what. We need to consider why we're doing and why we're being and why we're getting something way before we decide what we're doing and what we're being and what we're getting. Why is so much more important than what? It's about our motives. It's about our desires. It's about really beginning to look at why am I doing what I'm doing. There's a verse in Proverbs that, that really addresses the why why is so critical to our decisions. Proverbs 16 says this, you may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your motives. Motives matter so much to God. There's an old saying that actually says there's two reasons everyone does what they do. There's the, there's the reason that we tell everybody, and then there's the real reason. There, there's the reason that we say, and maybe even we say it out loud and we think it's true, and then oftentimes there's the real reason, and our motives matter. 
Likely, likely you've experienced this in your life where, where a person starts telling you how much they appreciate you and they start speaking about how they really like how you're doing your hair and, and they maybe mention, you know, when you share your thoughts and when you roll out your opinions, they are so insightful. And by the way, if you dropped a few pounds, you're looking younger. And you're really starting to feel good about yourself. And then all of a sudden they throw in, hey, by the way, next week we're going to be moving to a new house and we were just hoping that all of our good friends would be available for a little moving party. We're, we're buying pizza. You're like, uh-oh, now I see what all that other stuff was about. And it's so scary how oftentimes in our lives our motives are impure. And if we would really take time and be really honest with God, it would probably be horrifying how often our motives are me-centered rather than Christ-centered or rather than other-centered. So often it's about what I want. And here's the real problem, is that it's almost impossible for you and I to get to the right place through the wrong motives. It's almost impossible for you and I to get to the end right destination if we start with the wrong why. That's why why matters so much to God. So if you go out to buy a car, why? Why are you buying the car? Is it, is it because you can actually afford it and you need reliable transportation? Or is it in a moment of trying to make a statement? that you probably can't afford? Or are you just buying a new car because I deserve it? Or, or maybe you're complimenting somebody else. Is that compliment sincere or is it because you're really hoping they think better of you or that you need something from them? When you go to post that photo on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is that you use, is it because you truly want to share something meaningful that's happening in your life? You want, to, you want to point out the goodness of God and celebrate the way that God is working in your life? Or is it because you're really thinking, well, I really hope people see how cool I am, how important I am, those new shoes that I've got, and I, I, I'm a big fan of shoes. Is it, oh, I hope people notice my new deltoids. I've really been putting in some time at the gym. Like, what's the motive? The why before the what. It's about the who before we do. This is really essentially what that early church leader by the name of Paul was asking himself. He was revealing some very deep introspection, some deep personal analysis of himself. Here's what he says in Galatians. Paul says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? He's saying, why am I doing whatever it is that I am doing? He's saying, why, before, what? And then Paul goes in and he says, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. It will make, make a huge difference and a huge impact on what we determine that we will do when we reach each fork in the road if we can begin to ask ourselves, why? And imagine for a minute, if every time you came to a fork in the road, if you could run the decisions through a couple of simple filters, through a couple of sim simple options, suddenly those decisions would become obvious. Because it's less about, should I do this or should I do that? It's more about, who am I looking to please? With this decision, who am I looking to impress? Who am I looking to gain approval from? People? God? Who is it that I'm choosing? When we look at either option with the fork in the road, if we can begin to recognize who it is that we're trying to impress, if I'm, this way is to impress people and this way is to impress God, it's a no-brainer. And the beauty ultimately is this, is that when you and I decide the right who, God can help you decide the right do. 
And if we get those two things out of order, we will spend our whole time in conflict with God. We will spend all of our effort trying to figure out where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do with our talents and how we're supposed to use our abilities and is she the right person and should we stay at this job? And when that becomes the focus, God's not really interested in helping us make the right decision. Because in that moment, God doesn't care that much because it's not that important to him. Because God would way rather prefer that you and I are pursuing him, that we're becoming more and more like Jesus, that we're treating people well, that we're being generous with the resources that we have. God would way prefer that we're living that style of life and then living in a tiny little house with barely any furniture, working at a dead-end job with no retirement. But we're right with him. He'd way prefer that over you and I having a nice big house with lots of space and designer furniture and a 401k that's fully funded and an influential job, but we have no concern for engaging in a relationship with him and no desire to live like Jesus and using people like tools to get ahead rather than investing in them where everything is about my enjoyment, everything is about my own satisfaction. We have to decide and recognize we have to pursue the right who so that God can help us do the right thing. And when we aren't the right who, then God can't come along as well and help us become the right thing that we should do. Along that same line of thought, there's some additional words that we find in another letter that was written by Paul. Paul wrote this. He said, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to God the Father through him. Notice he doesn't give us a whole lot of room right there. Right? He says, whatever you do, he doesn't leave out anything. He doesn't leave out our work. He doesn't leave out vacation. He's like, whatever you do, it could be Seahawk games, Lord willing, we get to test this again. It could be working out. It could be volunteering. It could be, it doesn't matter. Paul is saying, whatever you do, wherever you go, whatever it is that you do, why? He's saying, why are you doing this? What is the reason behind it? And he's saying, we need to be more concerned with and we need to check our motives. Are we doing it in a way, are we doing it in such a way to bring glory to Jesus? Is that the why? Because if that's the why, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter whether you're the entry-level position or you're running the country or the company. It doesn't matter whether you're the student or whether you're the teacher. What's the reason? Whatever you do, in word or in deed, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus to ultimately bring glory to him. Whatever you do, wherever you are, are you serving Jesus? Wherever you live, are you serving him? Whoever you're dating, are you serving him there? I mean, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and it's really easy to think, well, all I'm doing is a lot of laundry and cleaning poopy diapers. We'll wash the laundry and clean those poopy butts to the glory of Jesus. Have the cleanest laundry and the shiniest little butt cracks around. And pray for those kids and raise those kids and straighten them and discipline them. All of those things and in a difficult season, if you do it with the right motives, it makes all the difference in the world. And wherever you're serving, recognize that when you're serving, when you're doing it, the right thing here, it will help you get to the right there. And in our lives, we should never look at a person that's successful, that ever reached a place, and think, oh, what was the one or two decisions they made that really helped them get there? No, 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 that's not it. There were thousands of little decisions they made again and again and again. 
Countless decisions where, where they denied self and they denied themselves and they denied themselves day after day. They denied themselves and they died to self. And ultimately they were saying, God, how can I be faithful? How can I make a little difference each day? And ultimately it led to a huge difference. And when you and I recognize that who is more important than what we do and why is more important than what, Ultimately, it brings us to our last decision and the last thought that we need to take home with us today. And the last idea and the last thought that we need to take with us is this, is that if you decide to be driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what. And when what you do is something that is big, when what you want to do is something big in the future, God is calling you to do something small right now. And if you want to do something big for God, do the small thing now. Decide the right why. Because when we're faithful with a little, God will trust us with much. And when we know the why that we're choosing to pursue an idea, there will be such a strong purpose behind it. And when God's will for you is more about becoming someone than something, when God's will for you is more about becoming who you should be rather than what it you do, then you begin to make decisions about loving others and extending kindness to others and serving others. Not because of what you might get out of it or out of a sense of obligation, but it's because of who you have become and it's driven by the why. And that why drives us to, to love out of love for God and out of love for people responding to the greatest commandment, which is love God and love people. And allow that to be a reflection of who we are and where we go and what we do. Because when we get who right, we're able to do more. And when we get why right, it begins to have more power. Jesus wanted to help us to understand who he was calling us to be and to remember what it was that he did so that we could become more and more like him, to recognize all that he has done for us. And so one of the things that Jesus led us to is he began to describe what we now know as communion, where we can celebrate all that he's done for us and out of that understand who he is calling us to be. So one night, Jesus was having dinner with some of his closest friends. And Jesus took some bread, and he said, this bread represents my body. And he began to break the bread apart and pass it around and said, listen, this bread, this bread represents my body, and my body is going to be given for you, and my body is going to be broken for you so that you can have life. And then he said, I want you to eat this bread and remember what I did for you. And then he took a cup of wine and he, he passed it around and he said, listen, this, this wine represents my blood that is going to be shed for you on the, on the cross. And by me shedding my blood on the cross, it is going to lead to the forgiveness of your sin. And he said, I want you to drink it and remember what I've done for you. And at Silver Creek, when we come to communion, we see communion as something that's available to anyone. Anybody that says that they believe that Jesus did that for them, that he died on the cross, that he allowed his body to be broken so that you could have life, and he allowed his blood to be, his blood to be shed so that you could find forgiveness, communion is available to you. You don't have to be a partner. You don't have to go to membership. You don't have, you don't have to take a class. You don't have to sign up for anything. If you believe that Jesus did that for you, we want to invite you to receive communion. And in just a second, we're going to pray, and then I'm going to walk you through the process of communion. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the fact that when we face things in our lives, it's more about who we are and why we are doing 
what we are doing, and as a result of that, would you help us to become more and more like you? And as we reflect on communion, would you help us to see and recognize that that's your invitation to us to be connected with you in a very deep and real way? Jesus, this morning, we are so grateful, we are so thankful for the fact that that you allowed your body to be broken so that we could know life. Jesus, you allowed your body to be tortured and beat and hung on that cross so that we could have life. Jesus, you allowed your blood to be poured out so that we didn't have to take that on for ourselves, but you allowed your blood to be shed so that that we could receive your forgiveness for the sin that's in our life. Jesus, thank you for that. Thank you for both of those things. Thank you for the opportunity to receive communion and to reflect and remember all that you've done for us. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So in your homes, what I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you to to take the bread that you've got, and I want to encourage you to take that, and you're going to break it. And then you're going to serve it to each person in your family, and maybe you pass it around the circle. Whatever you want to do, I want you to encourage you to take that bread, break it, and then serve it to each other, eat it, and remember God's body that was broken for you so that you could have life. Now what we want you to do is we want you to take that beverage, whatever it is, and we want you to to set that out and and pass it around to each person in your home. We want you to take a drink. And we want you to remember Jesus' blood that was shed so that you could be forgiven, so that your sin could be wiped clear. every week one of the things that we want to do is really challenge you to reflect and think about what you've heard this morning. So we put these next steps together for you to think about and determine for yourself what your next step is going to be. So as you think about this idea of, of who you are and why you do the things that you're doing as you face a fork in the road, I want you to consider a couple of things. Maybe your next step is to determine one thing that you can do this week to help you focus on who you are before determining what you will do. Maybe your next step is to think about why you are driven to do what it is that you choose to do. Maybe your next step is you need to tell God where you need his help to decide on the right actions. And maybe your next step is to talk with someone that you trust about discovering the right why for your life. This morning, if this whole idea of knowing Jesus is something new to you, We're going to put a little button here, and you can just raise your hand saying that you're interested in a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to send you some information so that you can know more about what that is. Would you pray with me one last time? Jesus, again, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for the fact that as we face different forks in the road, you're there with us to make those decisions. Help us to see the value of of choosing who we are going to be and pursuing you in that and recognizing that is so important and so critical as we begin to decide the right what and where, but to start with who we are and why we're doing that. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the chance to take and receive communion together. 
We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.